0: Dear God, on this beautiful morning, we open ourselves wide open for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. We open our hearts and our lives and our congregation for your loving transformation, for your healing, for things that you know we need, but we don't even know yet. Make us brand new and form us into the image of your Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Two weeks ago, there was a knock at our door one evening. And outside, when I opened the door, there were standing Hannah and Elisa and their brand new friend, Judy. Judy who was motoring behind them in an electric wheelchair. They, these three had just met down at the nearby giant store where Judy had asked for help in carrying home all of her many bags of groceries. And believe me, there were many bags of groceries. And scattered inside those bags, Hannah and Elisa soon discovered were three cases of soda. (laughs) So guess why they came knocking at our door? Judy couldn't quite tell them how far away she lived, and so pretty soon everybody was looking for someone with a car. And we qualified. Now, after uh, we had all arrived at Judy's house, which is somewhere up yonder, and unloaded all her groceries, we asked Judy how she usually manages to get all of her groceries home. How do you do that? Well, I just take my bags out into the giant lobby, she said, and I start praying to God for someone to help me. go out into the lobby, and I start praying. And you know, ever since then, I can't stop thinking about Judy and the depth of her faith. And I think one of the reasons that I personally can't stop thinking about Judy is that I used to be a pastor in Chicago's wealthiest suburbs. A context of great material prosperity. But eventually I came to see great spiritual poverty. And so I never, very rarely, got to hear st- stories like Judy's in the western suburbs of Chicago. Just think about that and look around and across your life? Where do you see great material prosperity and where do you see great spiritual poverty? But thanks be to God here in this neighborhood of ours and especially at our community meals we regularly get to hear stories like Judy's. And you're not in your heads. You know that. This happens on a regular basis. We get to meet people of material poverty, but of spiritual wealth. Thanks be to God here at East Chestnut. We're on the front lines of the kingdom. And God is using folks like Judy to stretch and equip and transform folks like us in brand new ways. In our reading today from Acts 11, Peter, a Galilean Jew, tells the dramatic story of his encounter with Cornelius, a Roman Gentile, and the story of God's outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon a whole new part of the human family. What a story it is. And you know, because of Judy, and because of our prayer vigil here this past Thursday, and because of my own prayer retreat the week before... I couldn't help noticing a little detail in that story that I usually skim over. What is Peter doing in Joppa when he receives his vision from God to go see Cornelius? Verse 5, he's praying. He's praying. Now what you need to know is that in Acts 11 that we heard read today, Paul is telling the Jewish church in Jerusalem a Reader's Digest version of the much longer story that he tells in chapter 10. And in chapter 10, what is Peter doing when the friends of Cornelius arrive? Verse 9, it says that Peter is praying and connecting with God. And in that same chapter, what is Cornelius doing when he's told to go send for Peter? Verse 30. He's praying and connecting with God. And earlier, verse 2 in chapter 10 goes even a step further. It says that Cornelius is praying and connecting constantly with God. In other words... When these two people finally meet, these are two God connected people coming together. Two people whose hearts have already been softened and transformed by God. And what a world of difference, and what a different world that. Friends, just imagine for a moment this whole story unfolding without prayer. Imagine Cornelius' friends showing up to an unconnected Peter. What kind of welcome would those unclean Gentiles have received from this Jew? And imagine Peter knocking on the door of an unconnected Cornelius, a Roman Gentile, after all. What kind of welcome would he have received? Remember, dear friends, that we can hardly, hardly exaggerate the revulsion, the enmity, and the hatred between these Two groups. We catch a glimpse of it in the scandalized response of the Jewish church in Jerusalem when they say to Peter, why did you go to those Gentiles and eat with them? And eat with them. Why did you do that? But thanks be to God, Peter and Cornelius are both connected with God when they meet. And prayer allows the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ to start flowing between these two people and between their two ethnic groups unhindered now. I don't know about you, but in this story today, can't we just feel all the nations of the world coming into view and the whole cosmic scope of God's saving love in Jesus Christ. You know, it's a story that's been slow cooking in the Bible ever since Genesis when God told Abraham and Sarah that through them, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And the great drama unfolding in the book of Acts now is the Holy Spirit leading and oftentimes dragging the church and the the early followers of Jesus to welcome Gentiles into the family of God. And it's important to remember that for Peter... Cornelius isn't just your run of the mill Gentile, is he? He's an officer in Rome's headquarters up in Caesarea, Caesarea. He's a hated enemy in the empire. That has conquered Jerusalem, desecrated their temple, and polluted their land with polluted pagan practices. Worst of all, he belongs to the very regime that just recently crucified and killed Peter's beloved teacher and Lord. And so there's a two day journey between Joppa and Caesarea that Peter makes. And imagine the inner work, imagine the inner work that he, Peter, needed to do on that trip. And upon their arrival, they find Cornelius eagerly awaiting him with all of his relatives and family. And then after Peter's preaching, about Jesus, to Peter's astonishment, they all are suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit, joyfully speaking in tongues and praising God. (laughs) Probably not the outcome maybe that Peter had hoped for. I believe what we have in this story is a story about the conversion not only of Cornelius... the conversion of Peter. And right then and there, Peter orders the Gentiles to be baptized. Peter flows with God. And what God is already doing. And it's because Peter and the early church flow with God that all of us Gentiles are part of God's family here today. Two Sundays ago, I challenged all of us to have a conversation with someone with whom we hold a different perspective on same-sex relationships. And since then, I've heard from you that a number of these conversations have been taking place in our midst. And I trust that a whole lot of prayer came before those conversations, because they're not easy. Prayer that allows God to soften our hearts as we listen to each other. Because our reading from John 13 today The call to love each other as Jesus has loved us reminds us that how we have our conversations together, how we have our conversations together may be just as important as what we say in them. Chuck Neufeld, my former conference minister out in Illinois, we didn't call him our bishop, But that's what he was. And he had a question that he'd often ask us when we'd come to him with some new idea or some special concern. He'd say, Todd, have you been praying about this yet? Because he knew from long experience that God's deepest intentions for us can only be discerned by those whose hearts have been guided and softened by prayer. So maybe Jason could ask us that question in our congregational meeting before each of us speaks. Have we been praying about this yet? In our reading from Revelation 20 today, we hear the wonderful news that God is making all things new. And friends, what if one of the crucial ways that God is renewing all of creation is through each of our lives of prayer? You know, when it says that Peter and Cornelius were praying, I sometimes wonder if they were perhaps praying the prayer of deep listening and transformation that we read about in the book of Psalms. Psalm 46. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Psalm 62. For you alone, O God. For you alone. My soul waits in silence. My soul waits for you in silence. In this kind of prayer, we simply pray, Lord, in this time of silence, I completely welcome your loving transformation. I completely welcome you to heal me wherever I need to be healed. Even in those places that you know I need to be healed, but I don't. Our Anabaptist forebears would have called this kind of prayer Gelassenheit the prayer of complete yielding and surrender to God. And the interesting thing is that sometimes in these times of quiet prayer, we sense God speaking to us directly. But more often, the fruit of God's transformation comes in our daily lives. And we start doing things that surprise even us. Have you ever experienced this? We forgive Where before we held a grudge. We're suddenly generous where we used to be stingy. We're gracious where we used to be rigid. We find ourselves listening carefully to someone instead of rehearsing our next point. That's me. And we find ourselves saying four words that we've never said before in our whole lives. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. And we realize that all of this transformation is from God. Friends, what if God is making all things new God is doing this one prayer one transformed heart one transformed church at a time In our time of anointing now everybody's welcome children youth adults We invite you to come to one of the four corners of our sanctuary and to name a place in your life where you yearn for a fuller measure of God's healing and wholeness, or in light of our focus today, to be anointed for what only God knows that you need. Let us pray. Dear God, and healer of our every ill, in this time of anointing, we open ourselves wide to You in every way for Your healing of whatever is needed in our lives. Dear God, when our Lord Jesus walked the streets of the Holy Land, He healed people at their place of deepest need. And we ask You to do the same in us today. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.